0: Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ centered life. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. And uh, I also enjoyed uh, pastors uh, Craig and Tom sharing with us last week, even though they made fun of me uh, as a Kansas City fan. Uh, I'm from Kansas City, that's my hometown, so I come by it honest. Uh, and the whole Taylor Swift phenomenon has been interesting, uh, but it has brought a whole new demographic to the NFL. Now, teenage girls are asking their parents if they can watch football. Uh, so, to, to all of you dads who now have your daughter asking if she can watch with you, you're welcome. Uh, All right. so uh, as we jump into this today, uh, just share with you a little bit about my life. Um, We've actually been through a bit of a family tragedy recently. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I had an uncle that I love. He passed away unexpectedly, and so I've been out in the Midwest again. I was out in Kansas City um, working with my family, and um, I did the funeral. One of the things that I think about when it comes to people passing from this world and going into the next... Is, uh, and I've been saying this at funerals recently: is this idea of like, I wonder what people would say to us if they could get a quick message back to this side as they're transitioning into eternity. And I think some people, and I mean some people outside the church, I think some people would say, "Oh, I bet they would say, you know, hey, I love you, I'll miss you, don't worry about me, I'll see you soon, you know, whatever, that, stuff like that." But I don't, I don't think it'd be anything like that. I think what it would be is if they could get a message back, and this is whether or not they're Christians or not, I think the message back to us immediately would be, it's all real. Like the Lord, judgment, heaven, hell, it's all real. Please don't waste any more time away from the Lord while you're on this earth. Like, I think that would be the message uh, that would give back to us. And so in that vein, I think what we do here is of supreme importance. Uh, And I think there are people outside of this that would diminish the church, uh, that would say, well, it's just some sort of group therapy, or this is something you guys are hopeful for, or this is a crutch that you lean on to get you through life. And I would say that it is God's people who are the only ones who figured it out. Uh, And it's not perfect, but by God's grace, we're we're learning more than we've ever (laughs) learned to get in touch with our creator and his will for our lives. And I do think there's going to come a time when I'm in eternity, hanging out with Jesus, uh, sipping a coconut drink on the back of a triceratops, um, in front of a race car shop, just realizing I have made the best decision you know ever. And the best decision ever, of course, is uh, is to love the Lord. So uh, today is something that we're going to call Sandhill Sunday. Sandhill Sunday. the The goal of today is for you to either learn or to be reacquainted with what Sandhills is all about. So if you're newer to us or a visitor, you picked the perfect Sunday to visit. Uh, and if you've been here for a while, uh, then you're just gonna be reminded of what Sand Hills is all about. That's our goal today. So Sandhills started uh, really October of 97, uh, but I count January of 98 because th- that's when I started getting paid. Uh, so Sand Hills started uh, January 1998, uh, and it started with six people in my living room. That's what it, it started as. And then it grew, and then we had more people in my living room, some of whom are actually in this building today. Um, but one of the questions we wrestled with was, if you could design the perfect church, what would it look like? And so, you know, we've all had church experiences, uh, you know, some good, some bad. So we processed all that. And that's a really fun exercise to do with a bunch of people who love the Lord, uh, is to talk about how would you create the perfect church. And so we, we dreamed about what it could look like. Uh, the only problem, of course, with developing this idea of the perfect church is, you know, once people start coming... It's no longer perfect. Uh, it was just right up to the point, though. So we had this whole idea of what it should look like, uh, and what we used as our foundation was Acts chapter two, uh, verses forty-two through forty-seven. So when you get to Acts chapter two, you're seeing the birth of the New Testament church. This is Jesus has died; he's resurrected. Uh, the people of God are trying to figure out how to do this thing that we do, uh, and this is, Acts two forty-two is a record of kind of what they began to do. And so this is what you see. It says they devoted themselves. And I love that word. They devoted, like they are passionately pursuing this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, so that's the word of God. They devoted themselves to the word of God and to the fellowship. They actually enjoyed and were choosing to hang around each other. To the breaking of bread, which would have been meals, meals in homes, but also um, probably the Lord's supper as well. Uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and awe came upon every soul. Awe came, and what a grief! I love that awe. Oh, came upon every soul. Like that's something I feel like in the church today that we have uh, begun to miss. This sense of awe. Because what happens is you hit this crisis moment, and you're begging the Lord, like, Lord, please meet me here. Please help me here. And then just in the course of that, something will happen. And you'll be like, oh, what a strange coincidence. Uh, or, hey, this person over here heard that I had this need, and they provided for me. And it's almost like we take this glory that was designed for the Lord, and we give it away somewhere else. i mean, like, do we not realize that the creator of the universe is personally caring for us? He is taking care of our day-to-day, meeting our needs, leading us in life, like we could recapture the sense of awe of what God is doing, and that's what they had. And this idea that these wonders and signs were being done through the apostles as he's doing supernatural stuff uh, there in their presence. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I love this idea that like, hey, I've got stuff, and I've even got too much stuff and you need stuff and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell some of my stuff I'll give you some stuff and then you'll be able to do life better and then maybe you'll get stuff and you can share stuff with like this whole idea of how we take care of each other and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And that, just that picture of, of having favor. This idea that people who don't agree or believe with what we believe, but they're looking at the church and going, I don't agree with you guys, but what you got going on, I love. Like, you guys care about each other. You care about people who aren't a part of your community. Like, there's just something happening here that I can, I can get in on. Like, they love it. And it finishes with this, and the Lord added their number. Day by day, those who are being saved... Just this idea that whether they were committed to evangelism or maybe just harvesting was happening. (laughs) It's just that people are like, I want what you got. Can I come where you go? Like, just let me in on some of that. So I just love this picture uh, of the early church. And so as we process that, we said, those are are all things that that we would love to be a part of um, in the local church. And that's what we want to see. So then we're trying to think about, okay, now how... How do we phrase what it is we're trying to do? What will we say is the summary purpose of the New Testament church? And so the summary purpose we came up with was that we are leading people to live Christ-centered lives. That's what we're all about, leading people to live Christ-centered lives. And I'll tell you this, if you will live a Christ-centered life, you will have the best kind of life that one can have on this earth. Now, it's not going to be perfect because you're not perfect and the people around you aren't perfect. But it'll be the best kind of life that you can have on this earth. And it's not gonna look the same as the way I do it because my Christ-centered life and your Christ-centered life, though both circling around Christ, you're in a different world than I am and I'm in a different world than you are. And our relationships are different and our friendships, and our marriages, and our parenting, and all like it's all different. But... At the end of the day, we've all got our eyes on Jesus and we're pursuing after him. That's what we want is everybody to live a Christ-centered life. Now, um, in order to live a Christ-centered life, then we're thinking about this as a church. What are steps that we can go through or lead people through that will hopefully bring you into living this Christ-centered life? Uh, And I think it's a process. And I've always viewed church as kind of like a gym. Like uh, you sign up for a gym, it's got all this workout equipment, but if you don't use it, you kind of stay the same as you are, right? But, but with the church, we offer all these opportunities, and if you'll engage them, I really think they'll help you grow. So we've got this four-step process. So our four-step process starts with this. We want you to experience God through weekly worship and teaching. Um, Jesus was asked one time, what is the greatest commandment? And he said this in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37. He says uh, to the guy that asked him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All right, so the first thing you need to know is you, it is total devotion to the Lord, total submission to the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then Jesus is like, you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to give you a bonus. And the bonus is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, of course, later he'd have to explain to them who their neighbor was because they wanted to just be people they liked. Uh, either way, so this is the first thing you've got to do. We think is that you've got to step into uh, this love of the Lord and now, Going back to this idea, when we make our lives all about the Lord, then obviously we make our lives all about the Bible because the Bible is God's gift to us revealing who he is in his character and his will for mankind. And so because we love the Lord, we love the Bible. And we love the Bible so much that we embed it into everything that we do. So when you come on Sunday mornings, we study books of the Bible. That's what we do. Uh, We don't spend a lot of time on, you know, four steps to a better marriage, three steps to better finances, whatever it would be. But even if we do a message like that, it's going to be all about the scripture, not just what we think and not just pop culture. Like this is going to be all about that. So then you're going to see whether it's the Sunday morning environment or community groups or Hills University uh, or a student ministry or a St. Kids ministry or a young adults ministry, wherever we're doing something, the word of God is going to be central to what we're doing. That's what we uh, put forth. All right. So we want you to experience God. The second step, I would say, as a process is growing to become a Christ-centered di- disciple uh, is that we have to connect to each other through choosing community now in acts chapter 2 you remember the words they devoted themselves to the fellowship like they were making a choice to be together to spend time together so we believe that we need to choose to connect to one another in this community now the problem is of course it's it's uncomfortable (laughs) because because we're messy people like i get it like when you especially if you're new to the church when you walk into this and you look around and you're like these are great people. These are great people who've all got their lives together, and I'm a mess, right? Like, I don't know that I belong. I, somebody said that to me one time. They're like, I walk in, and I look around at these people, and these people all got their lives together, and I'm the only one who's a mess up, and I feel like everybody's judging me. And I'm like, you are so deceived. Like, first of all, I know these people. They're a mess. Uh, and You're just the same kind of mess. But, like, this is how church works. Church works like this. I didn't say I was perfect. You didn't say you were perfect. All I said was, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus and I'm doing all I can to follow him, stay faithful to him. And if you're doing the same thing, then we're kind of working through our mess together, which means we support each other in this. So, like, when I'm going through a tough time, you know I've got my eyes on Jesus. And if I don't, you help lift my chin up, keep my eyes on Jesus. You put your arm around me. And when you're going through a tough time, I come put my arm around you. And we're doing the best that we can, keeping our eyes on Christ, full of his spirit, doing incredible things through us that we never would have thought he could do. That's what the church looks like. Now, it's not easy. And so I tell people, like, you're never going to find a perfect church. What you need to do is you need to find a church that you're about 80% satisfied with. That's the way I feel about it, about 80% satisfied. That other 20% is, uh, actually, it's just love. Because that means I don't have to have all my songs sung, and it doesn't have to be preached like I want it to be preached all the time. uh, And I don't have to like all the leaders there. Like, there's going to be things that happen in the church that are a little different than just me. It doesn't need to be all about me. So I tell people about 80% satisfied. I remember saying that uh, some years ago. (laughs) Somebody came up to me after service and they're like, "Um, Pastor, I got to tell you something. I am 100% satisfied with this church. And I was like, you probably need to leave. I guess it's not good for you. Yeah, you need to be a place where you're stretched. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't really say that to him. But um, I, did, thought it, I thought it in my head as a joke. Um, and then it was funny, after first service today, about three people came up to me, and they said, we just want you to know we're 100 percenters. And I was like, I get it, amen, amen. May God still grow you in that. Uh, all right, so that's kind of how that works. So we've got the, we're going to experience God. We're going to connect to each other because we're choosing community. And the third step for me would be this. We want you to change the world through outreach and service. Change the world through outreach and serving. That is, God has a mission for this world, we're just joining him in it. We often quote Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. By the way, all these things I'm sharing with you, Acts 2, Matthew 22, Matthew 28, these are all on our walls outside in the the lobby in the cafe. Um, So Matthew 28 says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the Lord has a plan that involves us reaching people. And I know, I know what you're thinking. Like, like my life isn't together enough. Like uh, when I get better, when I, then I'll be, then the Lord can use, okay. Like you don't understand how the Lord works. If the Lord has to wait for perfect people to do his will, nobody's going to hear the gospel, right? What he's got to do is he's got to take very messy people who have their eyes on Jesus and then through us use his power to accomplish his will so that we don't get the glory, right? That's what he does with us, which means then you just have to be willing. And in some ways if you're a mess it's actually easier because it could be like i'm a mess but i got my eyes on jesus i know you're going through stuff and i encourage you to keep your eyes on jesus it makes the message actually a little bit more relatable rather than i've got my life all together you better figure things out right nobody wants to talk to that guy right but the other person who's like i got my eyes on jesus that's what we do is we engage in the proclamation of the gospel and then we've also engaged in some partnerships. Uh, we have a bunch of partnerships. I'll talk about some of those later, but one of those is with Rice Creek Elementary School. Now, when we were starting the church years ago and we were renting school facilities, one of, the, one of the messages that I felt like was communicated to me uh, through Christians and people in our community was that the public schools are adversarial to the church, like the, the, that we don't mix. So here's the thing. I know public schools don't teach the Bible. I know that. And I know that some of the things they teach are actually contrary to the Bible. I get that. But our kids are in those schools. And so we wanna make sure if we ever have opportunity for influence, that we wanna leverage that. And so when we came to this area, we went to, uh, we we had a bunch of schools, we just went to one. Went to Rice Creek Elementary School. And we're like, hey, what do y'all need? Now, that's when I discovered something I didn't know. And we've got a lot of teachers in here, but I didn't realize this. If you're teaching, especially in the grade school level, and midway through the year, if you run out of supplies, either you do without, or you buy your own to finish the year with your exorbitant salary, right? That's, that's how it works. And when we heard that, we were like, oh, no, man. We're, that affects the quality of education. Like we, don't, we want our kids to be better off than that. So we're like, okay, I'll tell you what we're gonna do we'll buy your supplies. Like we'll go back to our church, we'll tell them what you need and we'll buy your supplies. And that's when we started this fill the trailer thing that we do, even we're doing now, by the way, which if you haven't bought school supplies yet, buy those things and let's fill that trailer. Uh, but I remember the first time we did this, this is years ago, Pastor Malcolm uh, leads it now, does a great job. Uh, but I remember showing up with these bags of school supplies uh, and we're handing them out to these teachers in the library at uh, Rice Creek. And there's like one lady, I go up to her and I'm handing her this bag of supplies and she she starts crying. And I'm like, you know this is just paper and markers, right? I mean, it, I, don't, I don't know you need to get that emotional. But it was just like this idea that like, like somebody cares enough to provide. Uh, and so we're giving them out. It's like Christmas. Everybody ends up with all these bags. It was such a, a sweet moment. And then the principal turns to me and he's like, hey, pastor, you got anything you'd like to say? I'm like, you asked the pastor if, if he's got anything he'd like to i like, I can think of something. Uh, and so I got to stand up and it just in a very light and casual way, I was basically said, hey, listen, this is what Jesus does. Like, Jesus cares for you. He sees you. He cares about you. He cares about these kids you teach. He wants to make sure you're doing a good job. And if you would ever like to hear more about him, we've got a church down the street we'd love for you to visit. Right? Just these little moments that we have to touch our community, and so we embrace that. And we've had a longstanding relationship with Rice Creek, and they've been great. Uh, So that's been beautiful. That's just one of the things that we have. We do international stuff Uh, over the years. We've done a lot of international stuff. Currently, we're focused on the Republic of Dominicana, or the Dominican Republic, and uh, we go there about... Every other year, uh, doing ministry there, we're going to go again this summer, and we partner with a group there called Global Effect, great ministry there, doing water filters and uh, proclamation of the gospel, some great stuff. Uh, But my hope is this, that when you hear us talk about outreach, like you're just, you're like, oh, we're doing something? What do do we need? Do I need, you need me or you need my stuff? Like, (laughs) let's just, let's engage in this gospel proclamation, that's what I want to be a part of. Now, we want to change the world, we say through outreach, but also through serving, Now, I think serving is key, but there's this weird thing in serving, this weird secret that I'm not sure everybody knows, and so I want you to hear it. So, there's this moment in Scripture that I love in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet right before he's executed. And in this moment where he's down on his knees washing their feet, and they're, they're protesting like, no, Lord, not my feet. Don't touch me. You shouldn't be doing this. I should be washing your feet. You're here. I'm here. You know, like all this kind of stuff. Jesus finishes this, and he says, hey, just a couple of things here. One, if I, your Lord and Master, would do this for you, you need to do this for one another. And then he finishes this, and he makes this comment in verse 17 that I love. And, and this is where he does this surprise thing there. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And what he just said was, when you serve other people, you're the one that gets the blessing. Right? It's the surprise twist in the Christian faith. And so let me encourage you in this. You should be serving in the local church. I think it's essential. And I know you're thinking like, ah, it costs me time and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. If you don't get engaged in this, you're missing a blessing God intends for you. And then others are missing a blessing that God wants to bring to them through you. So we should all be engaged in serving in the local church. That's another way that we change the world. All right, so we're experiencing God. We're connecting to each other. We're changing the world. And finally, we would say this, that we want you to multiply yourself through leading others. Multiply yourself through leading others. That's the next piece of the puzzle, is now that I'm trying to, and I'm not perfect, I'm figuring some things out, and now that I'm figuring some things out, I want to bring somebody along with me. Now, the easiest way to do that is just to have kids. <laughs> Instant disciples, right? You just teach them what to do and how to do it, and they'll grow up perfect in loving Jesus, um, just like they normally do. Um, <laughs> But then there's another part of this where, you know, you can do this with your friends or coworkers or whatever it would be. Um, there's this idea that I'm helping lead some others along. One of my favorite verses in scripture, and I have a lot of them and I say that word all the time, but I, just, I love scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. This is where the apostle Paul is speaking to his protege, Timothy, and he says this. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And what he's saying is this. Listen. you've heard this, you've learned this, I want you to take it and I want you to give it to, and I love the idea, faithful men. I want you to take faithful people and I want you to give it to them. Not just anybody, because here's the idea. If you'll find those who are really responding to Christ, really interested in Christ, and you give it to them, those people will be responsible enough to share it with somebody else. And that's how the church works. And that's why all of us are sitting here today is because somebody has honored that and shared with faithful people who shared with us. Now we need to be those faithful people sharing with others. So along with all of these things, we would say as a church that we also have core values. Now, our core values are that we are biblical, we are missional, and we're relational. We're biblical in the, in the sense that we embed the scripture into everything that we do, because we believe that's the most important. Uh, we're missional in that we believe God's got a plan for this world, and we're going to join him in it. And then we're relational because we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. And so we have to be around each other so that God can use that life-on-life thing to affect change in our lives, uh, which is super huge. Um, So some of that. Now, we also have something we call our distinctives. We have nine distinctives. Now, all of this stuff, let me pause. All of this stuff can be found online. If you go to sandhillschurch.org... There's uh, an About Us uh, a little window you can click on, and it'll take you to all this. We have nine distinctives. I'm not going to go through them all, but there are three that I will highlight. One of the distinctives, I would say, is that we, we believe in one church. There's just one church in all the world that loves the Lord. Now, we get... Not everybody that calls themselves a church is the church. But of those who honor the Lord, love the Lord, uh, love his word, the, those, that's the one church. And so we're not in competition with any other church in town. First this, second that, it doesn't matter. I don't care what they call themselves. If they love Jesus, they got their eyes on the Lord, we're brothers and sisters. We don't think we're better or worse than anybody else. We're just another expression. Um, but another part of us, another uh, distinctive of us, is that we are intentionally diverse. Intentionally diverse. It's one of the comments I get from people that join this church all the time. Like, one of the things we love is the diversity of this congregation. Uh, It is our conviction that the local church should reflect the local population. Uh, That's our heart. Not everybody has it? but we do. Um, and so if you come here, that's a part of how we're wired. Uh, and then a final distinctive I would point out is, uh, and we articulate this, is that we are a fun church. <laughs> that's something we say. We're a fun church. Uh, I'm naturally goofy. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. It just, it comes out. Uh, and we've had, I've had more than one person call me out on it, uh, who just said, I can't say, I had one guy invite me out to coffee. And he had a yellow legal pad full of the previous several months of sermons with quotes from me of things he said I said that he thought were too silly, uh, or too lighthearted. hearted uh, Now, aside from that being what I considered a highlight reel, um, <laughs> he, he was using it to, to uh, chastise me. Um, and uh, they don't go to the church anymore. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of the gospel. I'm like, I deeply love Jesus. But if we can't come together as a church and embrace a taste of the joy that is in Christ, what are we doing, right? I, the world breaks me enough. Let's celebrate. So that's an, another part of how we're aware. Now, in the middle of all of that, um, one of the struggles we have as a church, and all struggles have, uh, all churches have the struggle. How do you know if you're doing well? Right, Because I can look at you guys and I can be like, this is a great looking group of people. We must be doing great as a church. right?" But I, I can't, you can't tell somebody's heart by looking at them and we can never measure your heart. But one thing we can measure is behavior. And so every year, generally, we do a survey in the fall. And it just asks you a bunch of questions. We don't always share the results with you guys because honestly, it's not for you, it's for us. We're trying to figure out what we're doing, how we're doing, if we need to change anything. Uh, but we did a survey in the fall. There are some highlights I'd like to share from you, uh, with you from the survey. Uh, one was this we asked this question how certain are you that if you were to die today you would go to heaven Uh, so in that question 73% of people said absolutely certain and 22% said fairly certain now you might be looking at that going hey 95% that's not bad like I was well hold on as a pastor I'm concerned about that 22% Uh, can I just say something real quick to somebody who says I'm fairly certain that I would go to heaven like let's make sure of something If you are a believer in Christ, you put your faith in him, you're trusting him, you believe in his finished work, you've expressed your love of him, uh, he's your Lord, you've submitted him, and you're thinking, yeah, 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 all that, but I am just a deeply sinful person. All right, so here's the thing. When it comes to salvation, don't be fixated on you. Be fixated on Christ. So here's the thing about the blood of Christ. His blood is more powerful than any sin you could throw at it meaning then if you trust in christ you're good with god if you're good with god your eternity is secure you don't need to be fairly certain you can be absolutely certain because your certainty is not on you it's on christ right so let's make it 95 percent today right uh and for the other five percent we do have people that come here that don't know the lord amen i'm glad you're here and i hope that at some point you too will put your faith in jesus christ um so that's something we measure. i love that all right we asked this question, how often do you read or study the Bible during the week? 32% of our people said every day, and 29% said at least three times a week, which means about 61% of our congregation is in their Bibles at least three times a week. Now, with all of these, listen, I wish it was 100 but that's actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm really pumped about that, that we have devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's keep doing it and let's increase. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, 80% of our people said that they pray daily. 34% said that they have shared the gospel with someone this past year. I, like, I love that. Let's make it two people this year and let's increase those of us who are doing it. Uh, but one of the easiest ways to do it, 48% of people uh, that first came to Sandhills said they were invited by somebody else here. And I would say this, you wanna make a real difference in somebody's life, you invite them to church. That's a great start, make a difference. All right, uh, here's one as a pastor that concerned me. 55% have not served on a service team in the past year. 38% have never served. And let me just go back to the John 13 thing. As a pastor, I don't want you to miss a blessing that God has for you. If you're a member or a regular attender of Sand Hills, it's time to serve. So step up and do that. All right. Next, 58% of our people regularly mentor or disciple someone. Now I love this. When you've got almost 60% of your church pouring into the people around them, that's a beautiful thing. Again, I'd love to see it higher, but I love that. That's a for me. That's a that's an emotional win if nothing else. Uh, beautiful stuff. All right. One of the things we do want to do for you, aside from the survey we do for us, is we want to let you know some stats that you might be interested in. So what we have done is we have produced uh, an annual report. Now these, the paper copies, are on either side of the soundboard when you leave today if you want to grab one, but there's also a QR code. And so for those of us that are more mature, and this is newer to us, let me tell you how those work. If you'll take out your phone and take a picture, go to take a picture, don't. Just take a picture of it when you go to highlight it you're gonna see a little yellow box show up on your phone if you'll touch that box it'll take you to a website and you'll be like is that how those work I like, yeah that's how they work so if you click on that you'll it'll take you right away uh, to our uh, our annual report but let me just share with you some highlights so here's some things from the annual report let's go to the first slide so and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but the first slide here just tells you a little bit about how many people are kind of involved with this church on a weekly basis. And so we would say the grand total, a little over a thousand people regularly involved in Sandhills on a weekly basis. Right? Next slide. So this talks a little bit about stuff that we're doing. Now, of all the, st- all the numbers you're going to see today, they're almost all higher than the year before, except for professions of faith. We're a little uh, lower in the professions of faith, which, you know, I'd like to see more of that, but that's all right. Uh, baptisms, total members, uh, visitor retention, which is huge. We do a great job with that. Praise the Lord. Uh, new members, foundations, all that stuff's great. Uh, go to the next slide. Um, this is where it talks a little bit about our groups ministry as pastor Tom shared with you earlier uh, we're really pumped about those who are involved in our community groups activity groups St. Hills university great numbers thank you all for responding to that your, your lives will be affected, uh, definitely, uh, in that. Those who haven't signed up, make sure you sign up. Um, change the world. This, this is a little bit of our partnerships. I said we have a number of partners, local and global. Uh, this tells you some of those. Um, more details, of course, in the slide that you'll look at. Um, and then 573 people volunteering at Sand Hills. And so if you hear me saying, well, we need more people serving. Like, it takes a lot to run a church. But praise the Lord for you guys who are already serving in this church. Thank you so much. Um, next slide. Uh, just a little uh, peek at the idea of multiplying ourselves. We're involved in global local missions. That's some of the money. We actually spend a lot more. That's some of the money we invest in uh, our ministry. Uh, and then on the right, discipleship group leaders. These are people who are pouring out into the lives of others. Uh, that you see a list of those people there. And, uh, and then the next slide. The next slide is the money slide. And we're going to pause here for a little bit. And at this time, I'm going to invite out our treasurer, uh, Chris Walkup. Put your hands together for our treasurer, Chris Walkup. <laughs> All right, Chris. Hey, welcome. Thank you. All right, let's put our money slide back up, if you don't mind. All right, Chris, uh, what would you draw our attention to as we look at this?
1: Sure. Uh, God has been faithful to provide for the mission of the church again this year through your gifts, so and we thank you for that. Thank uh, you. Uh, I'll point out a couple of things. The payroll is about 46% of the budget. The budget's about $2 million, and uh, that 40% is, um, supports 10 full-time staff members and eight part-time and interns. Uh, and that 46% is a pretty healthy percentage for a church.
0: It is. Um, two, as, as we're thinking about this, one of the questions I get, Chris, is how, how do we manage accountability when it comes to the resources of the church? And I think we should all be concerned about how our resources are being handled. So one of the things I wanna let you know is that we have multiple layers of accountability baked into how we do what we do. So the people that collect the money and count it aren't the same ones that distribute it. So we have people who will take in the money, others will supervise that, they'll double check. um, And then we've got a treasurer and assistant treasurer who look at all the books. I look at the credit card spending of our staff members and then that's looked at uh, behind me uh, by the treasurer and assistant treasurer. And the thing I love the, the best that I think helps us the most is that we every year hire an outside firm to audit our books. So we have an independent group that comes and looks at our books and they offer um, uh, an annual report basically um, uh, on that. So if anybody would ever like to read um, what this uh, external firm says about uh, how we handle our resources, it'll be the most boring read you'll ever have. But, uh, and you, actually you want a tax audit to be boring. Um, You want it to be like so uneventful. You actually love them. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But at least we're good. So if you ever wanna see that stuff,
1: you can talk to Chris, yeah. Uh, additionally, I point out, we've got a great uh, dedicated board and the uh, the board oversees the budget process, the staff presents it to them and they, that's approved by somebody exter- external from the staff. Um, the next thing I'll point out is the outreach emissions, that's about 12% of the budget. That's been pretty consistent over the years. Uh, there has been a shift with the uh, denominational change.
0: That's right. So we, as you know, we've been part of a denomination. We recently uh, severed that relationship, uh, but we want to make sure we're still investing just as heavily in missions. And so uh, that money that previously we'd sent to the denomination and they used uh, to support uh, missionaries and church planting, uh, we're still going to use the the money for that. Uh, but we're just going to now we'll be using that ourselves. So we have. We've not just brought that money back into the church personally to spend it on ourselves. We're gonna to continue to invest that in God's global ministry.
1: Yeah, the denomination piece was about 10% of the budget. And uh, so we've got about 86,000 earmarked that we are going through a process to try to figure out how that fits in with our values and uh, intend to spend that in the future. Um, the other thing I'll point out is the debt payments are about 7% of the budget. At one point, that was 30% of the budget and just used to choke us. So praise God, that's much lower.
0: Amen, amen. Amen. <laughs>
1: So, and we are on schedule to pay it off in about four years. Amen. So, amen. Um, <laughs> is,
0: yeah, amen.
1: So the, uh, the final thing I'll point out is the net cash flow at the bottom. Uh, there's about 14,000. So we have set that aside for future repairs. We've hired an engineer to kind of map out what's expected to happen with the roof and the asphalt and the HVAC, the kind of things that will... Become expenses as age, and so we got a good plan for that, and got some good resources set aside for that.
0: That's right, and we don't want there to be any mystery about how we handle our resources. So, um, if you'd like to see a copy of the budget, it's yours. Uh, All you have to do is send an email to office at sandhillschurch.org. And say, hey, can you send me a copy of the 2024 budget for Sand Hills? And, uh, and we'll do that. Nothing's a secret here. We want you to know that everything's uh, above board and being handled responsibly. So, good, Chris. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate that. Thank you. A big round applause for Chris there. All right, let's talk just a little bit uh, about some future stuff. So one of the things is that um, if you've been a member or regular tender of Sandhills, this last year we did a big rewrite of our bylaws. Um, but since then, uh, we have left our denomination. And so we need to rewrite the bylaws. Now, the great thing about our last journey was we did, a, I think, a really great job uh, of trimming them down and make them look uh, and reflect, I think, a very biblical church. Um, and so now there are just some minor edits that we need to make that involve places where our denomination was listed and mentioned Um, so we a group of us have actually already we've already done that but what we'll do is we'll do the same process we did last year is we will present it to the congregation you guys will all have a chance to look at it speak to it Um, if you remember last year we made some changes you guys recommended as well Uh, and then we'll get a final copy that we'll vote on in mid-year so a bylaw change and vote will be coming this year um we're also having a bit of a problem but it's a really good problem and the problem is we've begun to grow again uh by way of people attending the church which means it gets a bit uncomfortable in here uh so we've been trying to figure out how to affect uh or how to address the growth of the church which is a great problem praise the lord that that's our problem Um uh, a couple of things one immediate thing is uh, we can just deal with seating, is that when you sit uh, in sandhills, when you come to choose a chair, if you would start with the middle aisle, or, or not the middle aisle, but if you'll start with the middle of your row and then let people fill outwards. Now, if you're like me, I'm immediately like, oh, I hate that idea. Uh, so like, I love being at the end. I don't, I don't I'd don't i rather people crawl over me, but people don't wanna crawl over you. That's the problem. So they'll just like stand in the back and be like, there's no place to sit. And there is, it's just guarded by everybody all down the sides. Um, and so one of the things I would say is it, if you would please, for the love of the Lord, if you would just start in the middle and fill out. And like, if you're like, well, I gotta pee a lot, uh, we'll sit in the back. Um, but I, I get it. So that's a that's a thing. So just be aware of that. And at some point during the service, somebody may come along and say, hey, can you scooch in? We've got some people that wanna sit. Just don't be offended by that. It's just, we're trying to help people that have come to seek the Lord. And I think that's a good thing. So that's an immediate solution. But uh, there's some other things we need to consider. Um, so the attendance at all of our services it ranges a bit. Like the eight o'clock service is the lightest, obviously. Um, The 9.30 is the most full and then the 11 o'clock is a little lighter. Although today I don't think those numbers bear out just off of my visual. But um, the eight o'clock service doesn't offer full children's ministry. So the eight o'clock is not normally an option for parents. So one of the things that we've decided to do is when we hit the fall, we're gonna start offering full children's ministry for the eight o'clock service. We interviewed our parents, and after an interview of our parents, about half of them said they would be likely to attend the eight o'clock service if, if full children's ministry were available. So we are probably uh, gonna do that in the fall. That's what, what's our decision now. So that will help some. Um, and we would just ask you guys to, to choose that option if your parents. Uh, we do need to think a little bit longer term, like a couple of things. One is if we do the thing in the fall, we're going to need more volunteers. We'll need more people serving in children's ministry to staff the eight o'clock service. And so my hope is that people will go to a service and then serve at a service. I think that would be great. Um, Long-term, we probably need to consider building. Uh, The the dumb thing is, we we built this church, I think it was in 2009, and I thought it was ridiculously expensive. Well, compare that to 2024 prices, and this was a bargain. Uh, It is ridiculous how much stuff costs. Um, So I would never encourage you to play the lottery, but I'm praying you will win Um, so we need we need your support Um, we also we had this odd development happen so let me tell you about one odd thing that happened so there's a church across town uh that recently closed that they just they diminished there's nobody going anymore there's a handful of people left uh and so we were contacted recently and they asked us would you like our church um so that's a weird thing first of all first of all sad that a church has closed Second, that they had heard about us and heard that we had something cool going on up here. And they're like, would you like to do over here what you're doing over there? And we're like, uh, wow, Uh I don't know. That's a weird opportunity I wouldn't have expected. Uh, and so now our leadership's sitting back going, hey, there may be something of the Lord in this. So we got to figure this out. Uh, so if you'll just pray with us about this weird opportunity, uh, nothing's final yet. We're still in conversation. Some lawyers are involved. Um, but we'll just see. Well, maybe we may have another branch uh, across town at some point. We'll see what happens. Um, and then a final bit of business if you're an official member of Sand Hills, this is the time of year when we choose our nominating committee. And so official members, this is what you have to do. Uh, you need to go to our website, sandhillschurch.org. Scroll to the scroll to the bottom of the sheet. And when you get to the bottom of the page, um, there'll be a place that says nominating committee. And some of you probably got a text or an email even today. Um, but if you'll just click on that, here's what we need you to do. Members only. If you will vote for one or two people that you know are godly people, men or women, that you think would do a great job at helping to, helping to select or choose our next batch of elders, secretary, and treasurer, that would bless us richly. Um, so those people will be involved in that process. So uh, if you haven't done that yet, please go to that. You're just hearing about it. So hopefully by the end of the week, I would ask if you guys would do that for our members. Uh, well, uh, that's a, if you will, that's a snapshot of Sand Hills, and I hope... I hope you've been encouraged uh, by this. Let me, can I just say something? I love this church. I mean, I love God's church in general. I love this church. Uh, this is, uh, amen, amen. This is just a great church. You're a great group of people. I so enjoy being a pastor and I enjoy being a pastor of you. So let's give thanks to God. Hopefully you're having the same experience I am uh, from your perspective. Father, you're so good. And uh, we get to come together as a community. This is a privilege. People around the world don't have this privilege. We get to come to this building. It's a... Praise God, it's comfortable, enjoyable. We're surrounded by people that are uh, beautiful people who have the same heart for Jesus that we have. We're all trying to grow in Christlikeness. We're embracing the salvation that's offered freely. And all of us realize none of us deserve to be here. It is only by your grace that you have invited us to be your children and brought us into this beautiful family. Father, may it be that you would guide this church to be effective of what you've called us to do and that is to proclaim your good news to the ends of the earth while we get the opportunity to enjoy our journey together. In your holy name, amen.